What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for the Masters. That's absolutely right back at it again. Six months after the last, it is going to be something incredibly special this week. But before we jump into that, a couple of housekeeping items to clean up. Uh, There is going to be a ton of of content this week. You will likely uh, see my face, hear my voice, uh, see my writing everywhere around the industry. Hopefully that's a good thing. You might get sick of me by the end of the week, but hey, it is what it is. Hopefully it's a lot of valuable stuff coming in your direction. I want to point out a couple of notable things. On on Wednesday, there are going to be, uh, I believe, three live chats. So we have the standard Masters 3 p.m. Eastern live chat for all your finals, questions, answers, uh, ownership, all that good stuff. Then there is the 8.15 p.m. Eastern time jock market power hour. That's Joe, Joe Idonia and myself breaking down everything for stock market DFS for jock market. And then I believe, stay tuned, follow me on Twitter and make sure for this, we are going to go live uh, with the CBS Sports crew Wednesday evening to answer all the questions. We're going to have some really great guests. You might want to stick around for that. So I'll tweet out all the details, but it's going to be awesome. Um, It'll be a ton of fun. Additionally, I have winners from last week, uh, both David Mack and Jason Mack. I just realized they both, they spell it different. Um, One, subscriptions to rickrungood.com last week. That is the site that you're going to see over the the entire course of the week. Everything that I show you on screen is from my data, golf data website, rickrungood.com. If you would like to win a subscription to rickrungood.com, let's go big. It's the Masters. Let's give out a year. Let's give out two yearly subscriptions to rickrungood.com. Here's all you have to do if you're on YouTube like the video, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and comment below with who is who would you like to see win the Masters? Doesn't necessarily mean who you think is going to win. Who would you like to see win the Masters? And then the other way, and you can do them both, leave a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcasts version of this show. It is called 300 Yards to Unknown. It'll be linked in the, in the description. Leave a five-star rating and review. Say something nice about the show. Leave me your Twitter handle so I can get in touch with you. I think that's everything. I'm probably forgetting about something, but there's going to be so much stuff coming and I can't wait any longer. Let's jump into the DFS preview. Augusta National, the course that needs no introduction, will get an introduction. Par 72, 7,475 yards. It is bent grass greens, and Dr. Alistair McKenzie, with the help of Bobby Jones, designed this course. And it is obviously, I think very clearly, the most famous course in the world. Uh, maybe St. Andrews, but I feel like at least for the the American viewership, uh, this, is, this is the place. It is the only major championship that does not rotate courses. Every single course has its own name. Every single or every single hole has its own name. Every single hole seemingly has a dozen iconic shots. Just so much to talk about. But let's talk about how this relates to DFS because that's what we're here for. And um, with the fact that this is the only major championship that doesn't rotate and it tends to play very consistently year over year outside of that November Masters that we had six months ago. The data from uh, the regression model is very strong. So what I do, if you're new, is compare every single PGA Tour statistic for each year to the results for every single player and I find the types of players that have success at every single course. And at the Masters, the number one, the most important stat 
driving distance. And it kind of makes sense. This course has not been lengthened all that much over the years. So you can kind of turn it into, um, I don't want to say driver wedge, but kind of driver wedge. We saw Bryson DeChambeau try to do that in November. Didn't particularly work out, but think about winners. Think about guys who've had success here. They've all been able to hit the ball very far. And in fact, there's only one other course on the PGA tour in which driving distance is more important. Second, is birdie or better percentage. Guys who make a ton of birdies have had a ton of success at Augusta National over the years. There are only two courses in which birdie or better percentage is more important than Augusta National. And then we round out the rest of it with strokes gain total and strokes gain T to green. They're both top seven stats. They're both critically important. So what it kind of says is uh, the best golfers win here. The guy's playing the best, right? So we can we can look at these individually. Um, but before I do that, you know, the comparisons to November, remember that that November was it was wet. It was it rained the the basically the entire week before. Uh, there was a three hour a delay on Thursday morning because of rain, and and players just absolutely took advantage of those for, of those soft receptive conditions. Uh, every, almost every single scoring record was shattered. Dustin Johnson, uh, his two what was it two seventy. Would it have been 270? Uh, 20 under par. It goes out. That's that's two shots better than than Tiger's record of. Uh, I guess it would have been a 268. Uh, Tiger's record in 1997. Cam Cam Smith becomes the only person to ever shoot uh, four rounds in the 60s. I, I don't think we're going to see anything close to that this week. Uh, the 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 more April natural time slot allows us to get firmer. Uh, more fast conditions that we are used to seeing. So I, I expect the course uh, to play more difficult than it's certainly, you know, certainly more difficult than it did in November. Now back to those stats, driving distance. So I've got the last 50 rounds loaded in here. You can do uh, whatever you'd like, but let's just look at the guys who are driving it well right now. And no surprise to see Bryson DeChambeau at $10,800 leading the field in driving distance. Cameron Champ is second. Rory is third. DJ is fourth. Matthew Wolf is fifth. No surprise there. Pretty shocking to see Joaquin Neiman above John Rahm. You know, people don't give Neiman credit for being that long off the tee. Believe it or not, he is. Um, if you want to look at, you know, strokes gain total, which is, this is another stat that uh, was incredibly highly correlated with, with success at Augusta National. John Rahm leads the way there. Xander Shoffley and Dustin Johnson following behind. There's no surprises. What we do get is a surprise of Matt Fitzpatrick. $8,100. We're going to do a deep dive into Matt Fitzpatrick, and we're going to do a deep dive into the guy right behind Matt Fitzpatrick, who's Will Zalatoris, because they are two very interesting options, playing unbelievably well, much cheaper. Fitzpatrick is 8100 Zalatoris 7300 So uh, there's certainly going to be some opportunity if we think that those guys can contend this week at Augusta National. But for now, Let's jump over to the cheat sheet. Let's talk about this field as a whole, and then we'll deep dive some of these players from there. Six golfers over $10,000 with Dustin Johnson leading the way at $11,500. The pricing, as it always is in major championships, pretty soft. We're going to talk about some guys that are incredibly cheap. Also, the fact that this pricing comes out early means that there are going to be a few golfers that are mispriced. Think back only a couple of weeks to the Players' Championship. When that pricing came out early, what did we say? Wow, Bryson DeChambeau, way underpriced because he's about to win the Arnold Palmer 
Invitational, and that's not being factored into his price. We might not get, actually, we might get that result this time around because I'm looking at a name that should be much higher than it is, but we're not ready to get to him yet. Let's talk about the big boys here. So DJ, uh, coming in, quite frankly, not in very good form. Uh, You know, he played well at Genesis, then he was terrible at the workday. He lost 10 strokes putting there. He was pretty bad at the Players' Championship. I guess he made the cut, which is better than a lot of the top players can say, but he finished 48th and then uh, could not get out of his group at the match play. And then what I thought was even more interesting is he quickly registered for the Valero Texas Open after that, which made me think that he was trying to find something in his game and he needed to play one more time before Augusta National. But then he withdrew on Monday of of Valero Texas Open Week. So we're not going to see him in competition. So we're relying on DJ to get right on the range and to get right in practice rounds leading into this. I am warm on DJ. I'm not hot on DJ, especially because, listen, he's your defending champion. He finished runner-up in 2019. He has been excellent at Augusta National. And if anybody can flip a switch from good to bad or bad to good and forget about things that have happened, it's Dustin Johnson. So I'm warm. I'm not hot. But I am slightly concerned. Sunday morning, John Rahm announced the birth of his first child, which is important in this context because Rahm had made it known that if his wife went into labor uh, during the Masters, he was going to leave and he was going to go be with her. So there was whatever percent of a percentage of a chance that that was going to happen. That was kind of being factored into whether you could play John Rahm or not. That worry now goes away. He's a flat $11,000 and he is in, uh, I, I mean, the guy's always in great form, but a, a top five finish at the Genesis, a top 10 at the play. Players uh, made a run deep into the match play. He has been knocking on the door at Augusta National. Like there is nothing you could say that is a negative about John Rahm's game right now. So let's just go down to Bryson DeChambeau at 10-8. And I want to bring up Bryson's uh, player profile for you real quick here because I don't think people are really understanding how good Bryson has been. Look at how many different stats he leads the PGA Tour in. Distance. Uh, Eagles, regular season FedEx cut points, scoring average, strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained tee to green, strokes gained total. He's second in money. He's fifth in the world ranks. He's seventh in birdie average. I mean, I could go on and on. What he's doing is really special. And what we saw in November was interesting, right? So he tried to, Bryson tried to bring Augusta National to its knees. Uh, He said, what do you say? This is a par 68 for me. He then barely made the cut and floundered around to like a 35th place finish or something like that. So Augusta National kind of put Bryson in in his place a little bit. Now, what I will say uh, that version of Bryson was he didn't he didn't put the 48 inch driver into play, but he was using a driver that he was just absolutely annihilating with no regard for accuracy off the tee, um, and that paid because when you miss and you miss left at Augusta National, you're in big trouble. Bryson has since honed in that driver. He is using a driver now and a setup now that is still allowing him to drive it very far, but he's able to control it much better. And while he did not get out of his group at match play, he did finish third, the players championship. And of course he won the Arnold Palmer invitational. Those are two events where he used that driver to great success to put himself in an excellent spot off the tee. So I am actually much more bullish on Bryson here in April than I am in November based on what I saw then and what I've now seen in subsequent in subsequent weeks. Um, I do certainly worry about Rory McIlroy. I mean, I think Justin Thomas, I think Xander, I think they're fine. I think they're priced very fairly here. Um, I, I do have concerns about Rory just because 
you know, the game, it's it's not sharp, and Augusta National tends to magnify um, if you're just a little bit off, and he's just been a little bit off a lot, and even if he has been playing well, the putter has let him down at times, so it, it's a pretty steep price to pay for a guy who uh, now officially announced he's working with a new swing coach. Seems Things seem uh, to eventually be trending in the right direction, but I'm not sure what that looks like in the short term. I'm probably just going to be underweight on Rory at 10200 and maybe just you know, get exposure in different ways. I don't think he needs to be in a DFS lineup of mine. Let's jump down to the 9K range because this is where I think things get really interesting. It's led off by by Patrick Cantlay at $9,800. I am pretty much on board uh, that Cantlay is going to win this golf tournament, right? I, I think it's setting up perfectly for him, and I want to try to illustrate to you why I believe that Ka- Patrick Cantlay sets up so beautifully for this event, and it actually has um, a lot to do with my my friend and, and, and colleague over at CBS Sports. He actually alerted me a couple of weeks ago of this trend that he had noticed, and I'm not a big trends guy, but this one was really w- well thought out, and I thought it was worth a look. Uh, basically, He's it is Kyle Porter. I don't know if I mentioned his name. Kyle Porter mentioned that um, guys leading into uh, basically 90 days leading into their Masters victory have just been absolutely bonkers from tee to green. And uh, he used adjusted strokes gain numbers. I'm going to use raw strokes gain numbers, but he's absolutely right. You know, in the 90 days leading up to DJ's victory in 2020, he was the best tee to green player in the field. Um, Tiger Woods was 10th in the 90 days leading up to his victory. Jordan Spieth was uh, first. I think Sergio Garcia was third. Um, uh, Patrick Reed was, was the worst. He was 21st which is still pretty good, 21st in tee to green in the 90 days leading up to his victory. And then Danny Willett, we didn't have enough rounds to qualify him for. So with that idea that, hey, 90 days leading into the Masters, uh, who's playing the best from tee to green? Well, the Holy Grail on rickrungood.com allows us to do just that. Um, So I'm just going to sort by... Uh, January 1st of 2021 to right now, and we're going to go by by T to green, and it's Patrick Cantlay uh, who leads the way. 1.7 strokes gained per round, and we can click on him and we can see, and now that actually, that does include the match play. Not not every site out there is going to show you match play. I understand the flaws of it, and I have included it in the Holy Grail and in all of the tools. Um, it's not going to be perfect, but I think it does help with a representation. So this does include match play, where he played very well from T to green. But you can see gaining eight and a half strokes in that category at the American Express, nine and a half at Pebble Beach, six at Riviera, over nine in three rounds at the match play. He is dialed in. He has uh, set two different course records um, and missed one cut since he won the Zozo Championship. The Zozo Championship is an event that the field will kind of mirror what we have this week. It's a smallish field that had 78 players. This is going to have like 88 or 89. Um, it's it's a lot of guys from all over the place, and, and it's... I don't want to say the Masters is a no-cut event because it's certainly not, but it, it it feels that way because so many guys get through the cut line. Um, so I, I really think that this is setting up for Patrick Cantlay very well. Augusta National requires you to be so exact uh, with with your game that that Cantlay has to be a consideration. 
If you notice, Colin Morikawa also showed up on that list. In fact, there's only three golfers uh, since January 1st who are averaging uh, a stroke and a half from tee to green, and Morikawa was one of them. He's 9,600, but we have to spend the time on Jordan Spieth, and we are at a full fever pitch on Jordan Spieth leading up to Augusta National. Uh, right now, It's it's been an unbelievable stretch of golf for him. His odds have moved from 100 to 1, I mean to 11 to 1. It might end up being shorter by the time this thing goes off on Thursday morning. And for me, Jordan Spieth is all about the format that you are playing him in. Because the pricing comes out early, you're probably getting a lot of built-in value on Jordan Spieth. You might have missed him on the outright market, or you might be investing in him in a stock market DFS format like Jock Market, and they're all being treated differently. So he's certainly a go in DFS. Uh, I think he is going to be a sell high in stock market DFS on the jock market, which I'm going to talk to you about in a second. But first, I want to hit you with some of the guys that I think are really great by low candidates. My first buy low candidate is Paul Casey, who enters Augusta National in absolutely great form from tee to green. And that is a trend we have seen from recent winners of the Masters. Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, Sergio Garcia, all leading in in excellent form from tee to green. And that's exactly what Paul Casey is doing right now. He's gaining over a stroke and a half from tee to green since the start of the year, which is the third best mark in this entire field. And that doesn't even count his victory in Europe at the start of the 2021 calendar year. So I'm looking to buy Paul Casey in the jock market IPO for $8.50 per share. That means that his break-even finishing position is 16th place. I certainly think that Paul Casey can finish better than 16th place. And if he does so at $8.50 per share, I will make money on each share that I own of Paul Casey up to the full $25 a share payout if Paul Casey wins this tournament. Also, I'm looking at Burns Wiesberger, who is 350 to 1 to win this tournament. But what I like about the stock market aspect of Jock Market is that he doesn't have to win this tournament to pay off. I'm targeting to buy him at $4.25 on Wednesday evening during the IPO, which puts his break even finishing position at 40th. If he finishes better than 40th, then I'm going to make money per share on Burned Wiesberger. And I like the fact that he has played the Masters five separate times and he has yet to miss a cut. That is hard to do. It is a very short list of golfers that have played the Masters that often and have made the cut in every single event. And then Wiesberger is one of these guys who primarily resides on the European Tour. And that's where the majority of his of his success has come from. But he is certainly no stranger to big events. And he is certainly no stranger to major championships. And then I'm selling high on Jordan Spieth. And let me tell you, I I could not be more bullish on Jordan Spieth. If you watch this show week in and week out, you know how impressed I've been, how much I have rostered him and bet him over the course of the past few months. But I think we are at a fever pitch now with Jordan Spieth, who is 12 to 1. I'm targeting an IPO price of of $9.50, meaning that his break-even finishing position would be 13th place if he finishes better than that. 
that, I would make money at $9.50 a share. I just don't think he's going to go that cheap. I think with the form that we have seen from Spieth, obviously the great history at Augusta National on Wednesday evening when this IPO closes right before 9 p.m. Eastern time, I firmly believe Jordan Spieth will be more expensive than $9.50. So for me, it's probably not going to be an opportunity to get Spieth into my portfolio. Tony Finau is my other sell high option. I'm targeting uh, getting shares of Tony Finau at $7.50. At that price, I think it would be very fair because he would have to finish inside the top 20 for him to return a profit for me. But again, popular golfer who's had decent success at Augusta National, a couple of top 10 finishes. I don't think he's going to go this cheap, and I'm a bit more concerned about what I've seen from Tony Finau recently, who missed the cut at the Players' Championship, and then we saw an early exit from the WGC match play where he showed little signs of life, and if you want to use the data from the match play, which admittedly can be a little bit wonky, he's lost a total of 8.9 strokes to the field over the course of his last five rounds of alone. Tony Finau's weakest link is his putter, and Augusta National usually magnifies bad putting, so Finau going to have to find the touch on the greens if he wants to contend this week and turn around what has been a pretty poor stretch of golf for him leading into the Masters. If you have not signed up for Jock Market yet, what are you waiting for? Use code RICK50. That'll get you a $50 deposit bonus when you do deposit. And join us Wednesday evening, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel for the Jock Market Power Hour, where we'll spend the last hour of the IPO phase talking about all the players, all the prices, and everything you need to make money in the Jock Market this week. That's an incredibly fun format that I just cannot get enough of, and it's going to be huge this week. Brooks Kepka, probably the biggest question mark at $9,200. This is the guy that uh, we need more information on. This is the guy we're going to spend a lot of time talking about on the Wednesday live chat because he's $9,200. We haven't seen him since the WGC workday. We know that he got a, he had a procedure done on his knee. Um, we're going to have to get the, the range reports of everything that's going on when he arrives on scene how he looks because if he's a go uh, I think there is plenty of upside for a guy who will probably be significantly underowned with Spieth right ahead of him Reed right ahead of him Finau and Simpson right below all the question marks around Brooks's health uh, this to me is the the, the answer uh, cannot the question cannot be answered about Brooks Kepka on a Monday we're gonna have to figure it out later in the week for the 8K range, I want to go back to the Holy Grail real quick here, and I want to go. Um, yeah, let's just do. Let's just keep this since the start of the year, um, Mark, and let's just go strokes gain total and just start finding the first guys that show up in the $8,000 range. And the first one that shows up is Matthew Fitzpatrick. Matt Fitzpatrick, excuse me. So first of all, Cantlay's number one. He's gained over uh, 2.1 strokes per round total since the turn of the calendar year. It is Matt Fitzpatrick of all golfers. Matt Fitzpatrick is second. I have to tip my cap to Matt Fitzpatrick. He used to be a short game specialist who uh, you know, I thought he relied on uh, a hot putter. He has improved in every aspect of his game and we can mine into some of his recent results 
Because if you look at this stretch of golf, he finishes 5th at Riviera, 11th at the Workday, that was concession, 10th at API, and 9th at Sawgrass. These are not only difficult golf courses. These are fields that are absolutely jam-packed with stars, and it is Matt Fitzpatrick who is finding his name on the first page of the leaderboard constantly. Uh, He's been unbelievable off the tee. Am I worried a little bit about this approach number? Sure, but if you see what he does around the greens and with the putter he is finding a way to put the ball in the cup it is incredibly impressive he's 8100 um paul casey we already talked about him he's at 7700 he's the next guy in the 8k range that would show up and then it's daniel berger and what i really love about berger and i loved oh my god i wanted so bad to bet berger and to roster him at honda and he, he eventually withdrew because he was laying the foundation for victory i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago his floor is so high that he just has one kind of like give me like a not even a ceiling week like a like a like a 90th percentile an 85th percentile week he is going to be in contention and that's exactly how he won Pebble Beach. And then the exact same way that he won Pebble Beach is he was laying that same foundation at the players, except he lost a little bit on the putting surfaces. If he gains, you know, two or three strokes putting, he probably wins that golf tournament. Everything else was perfect. So he was laying the foundation. Uh, He goes back to a place that uh, he actually did not play in November, and and I wonder if that's actually a good thing for Daniel Berger. You know, the conditions are going to be so different. I, I wonder if some guys are going to be thrown off by that or at least a little bit slower to adapt because uh, this is not going to be your November Masters. Jumping down into that 7K range, it is led off by a couple of uh, past champions, Sergio Garcia and Bubba Watson, goes all the way down to Francesco Molinari, Shane Lowry, and I, you know, we can talk about Sergio Garcia. What what Sergio's doing is is just vintage Sergio right now. He's been absolutely dominant off the tee. He's ranking second in strokes gained off the tee this season. He's 10th in tee to green, and he is 190th in strokes gained putting. That is... That's the Sergio uh, blueprint, and, and if you look at his holy grail, you look at his recent results, and it's going to tell a, a, a very similar story. This guy will go as far as uh, the flat stick allows him to. Allows him to. Uh, now you can see he has gained strokes putting twice in his last, let's call that 10 events. One of them he won and the other one he finished 21st. Now he has contended, he has had top 10s while losing strokes putting, so it is certainly possible that he can uh, outperform his finishing position or he can return you value at the $7,900 mark. It's much less likely that he wins because he needs such a ceiling putting week while the rest of his game comes together, but hey, he's done it once. He's closed his eyes to victory at Augusta National once. Can he do it again? I don't know, but I think if you're looking for ball strikers, you're certainly barking up the right tree. Maybe the most compelling name on this list is Will Zalatoris. And um, I want to show you why I feel that way. You know, he is an up and comer on the PGA Tour who has just been unbelievable in his short stint up here. You can see since his top 10 at Winged Foot, he had a top 10 at Punta Cana, a top 10 at Shriners, a top 10 at at, at Torrey Pines. I mean, he is putting up results at a very diverse, range of courses. That is an unbelievable sign um, uh, for a young player. But now he's going to go to Augusta National for the first time. And historically, debutantes uh, have not had it great 
at Augusta National. Some have some have done okay, but usually this is where you rely on your experience, your year over year creating your own uh, greens book because you're not you know that those don't exist for for Augusta National and you can't use them out there, right? So being able to create that, study it, understand it, um, it goes a long way. There are so many nuances, especially on the putting surfaces. If 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 Zala Torres can post, God forbid, another top ten finish. Um, this week, I'll be stunned. I'll be so impressed, even more impressed than I already am, but I'm tempering expectations. I'm cooling on Zalatoris just for one week. You guys know I love him, uh, but I will likely be underweight on him as we get to Thursday morning. There's also Abraham Answer at 7,400. Uh, I, I love this guy. He's such a competitor. He's such a great player. He does it in a way that others that others usually don't. Uh, you know, he's not very long off the tee, uh, be, which which should come in handy. Augusta National is not a very long course in terms of of the distance that it actually ends up playing. And someone accurately pointed out to me a couple of weeks ago that he is laying the foundation of being Team No Putt. That's exactly right. Abraham Answer is turning into a hashtag Team No Putt guy who has been dominant on his approaches, gaining in seven consecutive events, but he's lost strokes on the greens in six straight. Now, he actually did gain strokes at the Valero Texas Open with his putter, which might be a sign of things to come, but if he can marry those two things, if he can marry a decent putting week, even an average putting week, with some of the ball striking numbers that we've seen from him over the past couple of months, I don't see any reason why Abraham Answer can't inject himself on this leaderboard. He finished 13th back in November at the event. The 6K range is just amazing. There's there's so much down here. There's going to be plenty of popular. Uh, there's I mean Corey Connors is going to be incredibly popular. You know, coming off the Valero Texas Open where he was a popular play, he's sixty nine hundred dollars. People realize that he's a great ball striker. They also probably know that he finished tenth here in twenty twenty. Corey Connors going to be very popular. I don't mind Jason Kokrak if you're trying to pivot off of that. Missed the cut in November, but Kokrak has been piling up top tens at difficult golf courses in tough fields. The players, the API the WGC Workday top 10s in each of those for Jason Kokrak. And I'm looking at Brian Harmon. You know, the last time we saw Brian Harmon, he was going absolutely nutso on Bubba Watson, making like seven or eight birdies in a row in the match play. That That's kind of sparked his run deep into that event before getting bounced in the Elite Eight, but he played well, finished third to Players' Championship before that. Brian Harmon is kind of interesting, and I'm keeping a really, really close eye on Gary Woodland. I think that people on paper are going to say, oh, Gary, he played pretty well last week. He might be back. I'm going to buy in on him at $6,800. He's a U.S. Open winner. And while that is true, um, I ask you to proceed with caution with Gary Woodland because that result buoyed at the Valero Texas Open uh, very much by the short game. You know, something again like five and a half strokes around the greens. He was it was it was insane. That that was the vast majority of the shots that he gained to the field. That's unlikely to continue. And for whatever reason, Augusta National has had Gary Woodland's number. He's missed the cut in three of his last four trips. His best finish ever, I believe, is a T32. It's just not. Not, not been great for Woodland, and I'm not buying the fool's gold of what I saw at Valero to, to get him back into my lineups. All right, you, we might want to record this because I, I'm not sure I've ever said this before, but um, how about Phil Mickelson? 
That's right. I, I mean, guys, you know I am not a Phil Mickelson guy. But let me show you what's going on with Phil right at the right time. So I'm going to pull up his Holy Grail. We're going to go through his logs. And here's what I see. Um, We're going to throw the Valero Texas Open into this because he gained strokes on approach at the Valero Texas Open, which means he's now gained strokes on approach in four of his last five starts. I can scroll down and I can see the last time that he did that was right here. It was the run of golf uh, in the start of 2029, over two years ago, 2029, 2019, uh, over two years ago, that included a second place finish, a runner up at the Desert Classic and his win at the AT&T Pebble Beach. Um, I'm not saying he's going to win, but I'm saying we are seeing ball striking from him or at least approach uh, 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 approach numbers from him that we have not seen in over two years. And if there's ever going to be a place for him to find the magic, it would be Augusta National, 15 top 10s in 28 trips. And of course, the three victories on the resume as well. So um, I'm not a huge believer in Phil Mickelson week in and week out, but I cannot lie. The numbers and the metrics look good for him or at least better for him than they have in at least two years. There's always one free space in these big contests, and it seems that it's Ryan Palmer. And now that I've called him a free space, he will certainly miss the cut. But Ryan Palmer, if you have followed around uh, this this uh, YouTube channel or this podcast, you know that Ryan Palmer has been one of the most valuable fantasy golfers in the last 12 to 18 months. He's doing it in lots of different ways. He's third on tour in birdie average. He's 18th in greens and regulation. He's 30th in strokes gain total. He is 30th in strokes gain total and he's being priced as like the what 75th golfer here like it's just absolutely crazy at the moment he ranks inside uh the top let's see he ranks inside the top 70 in every category but strokes gained around the green strokes gained around the green is the only category he's losing strokes in and he's losing 0.05 I'm willing to cut him a pass on that. He's basically an average player in that category as well. And if you look at some of his results, the results have come at very impressive places. And actually, we can look at his value. You know, he returned 10% or 10 times value at the Players' Championship, seven and a half times at the WGC Workday, eight in Phoenix, 10 at the Farmers, nine at the Sony, 20 at the Tournament of Champions, 18 at the Zozo. The guy is just an absolute freak returning double-digit value based on his salary. And I just like seeing what courses he's done it at, you know, play well at TPC Sawgrass, played well at the farmers, played well at Sherwood, played well at uh, the Memorial, at Muirfield Village. I mean, this is just a guy who does it at a lot of different places, a lot of difficult events, a lot of deep fields, and he's being priced at $6,500, which is, which is kind of a joke. He's going to be popular, but I think it's warranted. The good news is that's probably as low as I want to go. Um, you know, you could you could argue Lanto Griffin at sixty four hundred dollars. I like Palmer a lot more. Then you start getting down into the past champions or guys that got it, like Jimmy Walker. You know, gets in for winning the PGA five years ago. You know, he's now ranked like eight hundredth in the world. Um, so. I certainly don't really want to play Jimmy Walker. So the the lowest I'm I'm comfortable going is probably Palmer or Griffin, which is fine because I'm really happy with both of those guys. Or even if you force me to play Zach Johnson, I wouldn't think that was terrible coming off a top ten at Honda. Uh, but yeah, that's that makes the six K range much more palatable. Palpable, palatable. I don't know what the word is. It it tastes better or whatever. Now before we get out of here. 
Uh, let's run a custom model and this is going to look different than you have seen before because I've just launched the brand new lineup builder. The old custom model still exists because this is new and there might be some things that need to be worked out, but this lineup builder allows you to take the custom model and then actually run lineups off of it, which is what I love. That was the whole point. And it has a uh, light and dark mode, which is always fun. So here's what I would do. If I'm building this model and it's actually, you're going to see this change in real time. I'm not going to click a button that says run the model. You're going to see this value down here at the bottom change. If I were to run a model. I would go back to the start of 2021. I would go to January 1st, 2021. That that has historically been the time frame, the lead in form that matters the most. And you can just do to, you know, April 1st or to the current date. And then I would go with um so we 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 know the weights. The weights have to do 100. So we have to go to um Driving distance has to get a lot. So we've got to probably do 35 there. We've got probably also has have to lean heavily on birdie or better percentage. That's 30. And then we've got to do probably, oh man, I want to do um, 20 on strokes gain total and then 15 on strokes gain T to green, understanding that I am double counting some of those, but I like the distance and I like the birdie or better. And of course, oh boy, no surprise. Our top golfer, Bryson DeChambeau, he gets a value of 95.51. Brooks Kepka is two. Obviously, I have to weigh my concerns around Brooks Kepka. And here's an interesting name. Joaquin Neiman shows up third on my model. He is $7,400. He makes a ton of birdies, 27.5% of the time. He is much longer off the tee than you think he is, so that is probably why Neiman is popping here. And then I get Patrick Cantlay at 9,800. That's a guy who was right in my wheelhouse. Justin Thomas at 10.6. Finau's probably not a guy I was super interested in, but he does pop up here on my model. Finau, then Rom, then Xander, then Berger, then Sergio, then Scotty Scheffler could do a deep dive on Scotty and a deep dive on Homa. And then I love Paul Casey down there. So Rory McIlroy doesn't show up until like 15th on my model, which is certainly a bit concerning. So uh, I love that. And and now I'm not going to do it because I don't like to share lineups. It's against the terms and services and stuff. But if I wanted to, I could click build lineups and this would now build lineups off of my my new value and my new model that I'm using. So I love this. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you have any questions about that. There is a tutorial um, on rickrungood.com on the YouTube channel. If you go to the playlist for tutorials, you can see how to use this and you can have fun with it this week as well. But for now, that'll do it for the DFS preview for the Masters. It is going to be something special. This week we'll have so much more content. I'm stoked about it. I hope you're just as excited as I am. Tweet me at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.